Hello and welcome to the first episode of the non-content show. I'm your host Park and I'll be your guide through the amazing world of stupidity. And for today, we have a recording of a conversation between me and my good friend Michael. Be prepared to be enlightened by the most unuseful insights on our mediocre lives. And before we begin, a disclaimer. In this episode, we talk about prostitution, gangsters, and everyone's favorite Nazi, Hitler. So, if you're easily offended or have any kids around listening, I hope you enjoy the show. Bye! Okay, I think that's good, man. But, bro, how have you been? Oh, man, I've been, dude, I've been kind of freaking out and nervous thinking about, like, moving and going to Colombia. I put my uh, notice in that I was going to get out of my apartment, and, dude, they never got, they didn't get back to me for, like, three days. <laughs> but did you actually send it? I sent it, and then I got, oh. like, a rejection saying the person doesn't work there anymore, and they're like, but don't worry, we forwarded it to their person, like, that was replacing them. They didn't get back to me, so I tried sending them an email, and it just kept getting rejected. Then I went on their website and sent an email through their website. That's so I finally just called them today, and they're like, oh, "I don't know, we have to, we have to look into this." But oh, I know, I've, I've been all, I've been, I've been nervous, man. I'm not gonna lie. And then yeah. I found out today that Colombia, I thought they opened up international flights for everyone, but they only opened them up for um, non-tourists, like. Um, Oh, I see. For citizens, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, fuck, man, what am I going to do now? <laughs> well, they didn't answer you yet, so you can always like, hey, can you give me some months or... <laughs> yeah, back out. That, that's what I was thinking, too. I was like, I can always back down a little bit. But did you, did you decide for Colombia? Well, there's not that much open. That's part of the problem, too. So your options before was Austin and Colombia, right? Yeah, and I guess I can go to Mexico, but everyone's like, that's dangerous. And all the places Marissa suggested are kind of like small towns in the middle of nowhere. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't really want to go there, you know? Did you talk to Marissa about that? I did. I talked to her about it. What was her opinion about this? She was like, do it. Everyone, almost everyone says do it, except for like, maybe, I haven't told my parents, so I, I think they're not going to be happy. Oh, maybe you could give them a surprise, like, hey, I'm in Colombia now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would end real well, I'm sure. No, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I'm just like, everything's uncertain, right? It's all uncertainty. This is like an uncertain move, <laughs> I guess. And I think we're both in the same mindset on this, trying to figure out that next thing to do for ourselves, like our, our next business i guess you can say yeah all i can say is at least should try to have fun with that right <laughs> yeah man well dude lead the way what do you want to talk about i've been going to this really really deep side of the internet you know <laughs> i've been watching youtube videos i told you about filthy frank right yeah we watched the other day and now youtube they start recommending me crazy shit you know <laughs> <laughs> because I'm watching crazier stuff and it's getting crazier and crazier. So today I watched a video about motorcycle gangs in Japan. Nice. Another one was about 
did you watch the documentary about Japanese idols, Tokyo Idol? I think I started it. I don't know if I ever finished it. No, no, I never watched it, but you told me about it. Yeah, yeah, you should watch that one. It's super interesting and super similar to that because they talk about uh, the video I watched was kind of documentary, a guy trying to understand the junior idol that are girls around like 11, 12 years old and creepy guys of like 40, 50 years old being the fan base of these girls, you know? I can imagine this. <laughs> Me. So, so the other one was about sexuality in Korea and how grannies are prostitutes in Korea. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. Who's I'm their like, market audience? Other, other grandfathers. Right, yeah, grandfathers and some young people with some kind of specific fetish. You know? <laughs> Man, it. Are they? Dare I say, are they good-looking grannies? <laughs> no, bro. It's just like my granny. Like really old. Uh, and... Yeah, yeah. I felt really bad. <laughs> it was weird, man. That's disturbing. Yes. And the guy, and they interview a grandfather to discuss about this because, of course, the grandmother doesn't want to talk about So he was like, how much do you pay for the granny? And it's like, oh, 10 $15, you know, depending on how confident the grandmother is. Whoa. And they ask, like, where do you guys have sex? He said, oh, there's a model. And they're like, you pay for it? He said, nah, the grandmothers pay for it. So if you pay her $10, in the end, she will stick with $5 after the cost of the motel and all this stuff. Wait, I got so many questions. First of all, how old was the guy who was saying this? It was a grandfather, bro. He was okay, like okay. 60 years. Dude, this just sounds like a scheme for these grandmothers to get laid. If they're... If they're <laughs> maybe. Because <paying, laughs> they're kind of like paying for it in a way. Oh, uh, bro. I don't know. I'm just getting crazier and crazier on, the, on this. <laughs> Yo, YouTube is a dark hole, man. And, man... I had so many questions, like, because, you know, these are kind of like that BuzzFeed type of news, you know, BuzzFeed yeah. or what is the name of the other one? There are these kind like of TMZ or something yeah, like that. Yeah, crazy, crazy type of news. And, you know, sometimes it's biased. So they were like, oh, you know, in Korea, one out of five women already was part of the prostitution industry. Okay, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, and first of all, I was like, okay, uh, prostitution is much bigger in Korea than I knew. <laughs> yeah. Second is like, how do they get these statistics? They just throw this freaking, oh, the statistic says that one out of five women in Korea was a prostitute. I'm like, okay, but where did you got this data from? Or you're just throwing out of nothing. Like, yeah, fuck this shit, you know? You bring up a good point, like, we should, we should not trust any statistics you hear nowadays. You have to be so skeptical. Like, they just make bullshit up, man. No, but bro, what the heck is that? One out of five? You, you need to give me some context how this research was made, you know? That means that the number one job for women in Korea is prostitution. Exactly. So the chance... <laughs> so the chance of you... If you're a Korean, the chance that you dated a prostitute in your life it's like almost a hundred percent. Yeah, you have a twenty percent chance of dating a prostitute. 
<laughs> so if you dated like <laughs> at least 10 girls in your life or just live with 10 girls in your life, bro, you have a pretty good chance that you're yeah. <laughs> For sure. It also means that there's a 20% chance your grandma's a prostitute. Oh, bro, don't even talk about that. <laughs> that would ruin Sunday dinner, wouldn't that? <laughs> Uh, not a really nice topic. At least I'm safe of that because my grandma is not in Korea, so <laughs> I got lucky, bro. You got lucky there. I, and I think with my grandma, the language barrier, I think <laughs> that wouldn't happen in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, it's harder for her to, you know, get the job. I'm safe, bro. I'm safe. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Wait, so you, you brought up the Japanese gangs motorcycle gang. Yeah. I don't know why, like, I know this is a idea that's completely wrong, but for some reason, Japanese gangsters just, like, do not scare me. Like, the thought of a Japanese gangster does not seem scary. Just from visiting them, they're, like, so polite and mild manner. It's, like, hard for me to imagine, like, Hell's Angels of Japan freaking causing mayhem and, and terror. Like, what is Japanese biker gangster culture like? Bro, I'll I'll be honest that living in Brazil gave me the same thought as you're having now. Like when I heard, let's say, for example, I had a friend that traveled to Korea and he got robbed in Korea. Yeah. Okay. Just thought of it. Nobody felt sorry for him. If I was in his place, I think I would just get kind of cocky, you know, like, what the heck? You're the same as me. You're trying to rob me. You know, what the yeah. fuck, bro? <laughs> I'm I'm from Brazil. If someone has to be robbing someone here, it's me. Start giving yeah. me money, motherfucker. <laughs> Turn the, the tables fuck, on, man. You have only a knife, bro. I had a gun pointed to my head two times, man. <laughs> Step up your game, bro. <laughs> right? There's something about it that's just not like... Like, for example, in Tokyo, they don't even lock their bikes up. Like, they just leave them on the street and you're like okay if your culture is not even stealing bikes like am i worried about gangs in tokyo hell no oh I'll, so that's one thing bike gangs right mm-hmm. i'm not really afraid of them but i will be honest yakuza kind of freaks me out okay they're kind of kind of bigger thing over there <laughs> for sure like okay i'm saying if you fuck with them i'm sure they're gonna fuck you up but, like, what do they even do that's so bad? I feel like the Yakuza are just, like, they just do their stuff slick under the radar. No one bothers them. Exactly, exactly. But that's the thing. Going back to the bike gangs, you made a really good point, And I reflected about this while watching this video. I was like, man, I understand why you have gangs in Brazil, you know? They don't have enough money, so they have to survive, right, somehow. Yeah. So they need the money, so they get desperate, and they try to rob and grab money. Their their final objective is surviving, having money, correct? Yes. But these bike gangs, just so you know, they're made of, like, 17, 18 years old. They still live with their parents. <laughs> so I'm like, why the fuck you're doing this? Because you can have kind of a respect of yakuza or a big gang because they're trying to make good money doing legal stuff right Mm -hmm. but when you are a bike gang 
and you're a teenager, you live with your parents, and their final objective was never money. It's like, don't look cool. Yes, was to fight other gangs, that's what they majorly did sometime, fight the police. Really? Yes, so it's not taking the, the, the merit of it, you know, they're violent, yeah, of course, but... In the end, it's kind of like a teenage gang. Hey, we want you yeah. to be part of this. We're the strongest one. Yeah. I don't see any other reason for it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the impression I get other than the Yakuza. Yeah. Even then, like I saw a documentary on the Yakuza. And don't get me wrong. I wouldn't fuck with them for sure. But it was just how they were talking, dude. They were just interviewing like the head Yakuza guy eating in a restaurant, like in the public. No big deal. And he was just talking about being part of the Yakuza like it was no big deal. And I'm like, this is like nothing about this is even scary. He sounds like a businessman. He's just like, all right, yeah, we come in, we do the business. And then, you know, we pay off a few people and we leave. Yeah, but this is, I think this is the part of Yakuza, you know? The difference of, let's say, Yakuza and, for example, like the Italian Narcos. here. Okay. Yeah, or Narcos in Latin America, right? They are so connected into the corporate world. Like, even, yeah. let's say, Korean gangs, they're so connected now as some part of the government and corporate. The gangsters are just the politicians. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. No, that's what I'm saying. It's so intrinsic that this is part of the society, you know? Yeah. This illegal side completes the legal side of society. So let's say you're in Japan and you can't get into the into the market or... You don't have money to sustain or you don't have the technical abilities to find a job. They said all these unemployed or homeless people starts becoming part of the Yakuza and they get a living out of it. Dude, it's a fascinating society. But I'm going to say some things about what I understand of the Yakuza, the Japanese mafia. But uh, bro, I'll be honest, I don't understand shit. Okay, like any other thing you can expect from the po this podcast is just BS information. <laughs> That'll be the most common phrase. Yeah, so what I heard is that inside Japanese company, the president is not something hereditary. Never the son is taking over the company, okay? Okay. And they say, oh, this is so admirable because the leader cares more about the company than his family to make it more efficient. They never put their son, but they put the most capable person in their places, the CEOs or the owner of the company. Really? And I thought this was really cool. But I heard from a person that I know, he says he's from the mafia. In Japan. Yeah. And he says this is a methodology that the mafia found to maintain power in the mafia hands and not in the family of a person hand. So when a guy from the Yakuza is a CEO and he dies, they just put another guy that is supposed to be from Yakuza too and just takes the place. Definitely smart. It's a smart, like, I guess, strategy to continue the success of the Yakuza. Yes, exactly. So I think this line of legal illegal in the Yakuza is already much different of what we can expect from other mafias we traditionally see on the Western side of the world, right? Yeah. I think it's much more political over there. They do illegal stuff, but it's not like, hey, we're going to kill you to do this stuff. Yeah. And Yakuza is already inside of the police force, inside the government, inside the company. So most of the times, I think they don't need to kill people. They just use the system to do what they wish to do.
I mean, that's how kind of how it's become in the U.S., I feel like. You don't really hear about big, like, mafia, like the Italian mafia. I mean, I'm sure it's still there, but it's not what it was, you know? You hear about the Russian mafia, but for the most part, like, what America did, we just legalized corruption. We're like, all right, you just got to pay these lobbyists, and then they'll go pay off the congressmen, and then they'll change the laws so you can do what you want to do. And then, you know, that's just how it works, and then you can make your money. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's one of the reasons that Italian mafia didn't quite survive here in the U.S., right? Yes. Maybe there are still some mafias, but not as big as before, right? In New York and... Yeah, they were huge. Exactly, but I think that's why Yakuza survived up until now as an institution because they didn't try to go against the law, but they tried to understand how the law works and just, hey, what we're doing is inside the law, you know? So play more as a political game than a violence game. Let me ask you, because this is one I was always interested in. What do you think, as a non-American living here, What's what about the American system do you find the most, like, either interesting or confusing or you're just, like, shocked by? The system? What do you mean system? I guess America in general, how it works, how it operates, the way we live. The thing that is on top of my mind now, the yeah. freshest one, is... The healthcare system doesn't uh, make that yeah. sense. <laughs> it's a complete scam. Bro, I'll, I'll just tell you this. So Monday, I went to the doctor to see mm -hmm. a sprain on my finger. That I thought it was just a sprain. Yeah. But after one month, it still seems kind of like broken. <laughs> yeah. And a little bit purple. So I said, yeah, I think that's something wrong with my finger now. So I went there and they're like, oh what's your insurance and i got like that basic insurance so i had to pay full price for the doctor okay because i didn't reach the threshold that they will start to make hope pay for it right yes so one it's kind of a uh, the most basic insurance it was so hard to find a doctor that accepted that so i end up in that border between carl gables and little havana you know okay. kind of far from here and nobody spoke english there it was really interesting <laughs> yeah but they're like, oh, look how funny this guy. He's Asian. What the heck he's doing here? Oh, what the heck? He speaks Portuguese. Were they like, China, China, China. Yeah, 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 yeah. But <laughs> they were fine. After I started speaking Portuguese, they were like, oh, he's cute. He's one of ours. Okay. 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 <laughs> he's cool. He's cool, guys. So it was like $100 just so he would say, yeah, your finger is messed up. You had to take an x-ray. Like $100. It's crazy. I had to pay $100 to hear you need an x-ray. I was like, fine, I'm going to do the x-ray. So I go to the hospital. And when I get there, they're like, oh, yeah, Rodrigo, you need, okay, let's do the x-ray. So the x-ray for your one finger mm -hmm. is $490. It's insane, dude. I was like... What? A photograph from my feet is 400. It's like technology they've had since the 20s. Some people might think, oh, this is technology, Rodrigo, you know? You're not yeah. in consideration the operational cost of an x-ray. And I'm like, okay, fair point. If I only live in the US up until now, I would say that. Yeah, yeah. 
I live in Brazil and they don't have any like help from the government. I always use private hospital in Brazil because it's almost impossible to use the public system there because it's so overloaded. So uh, in Brazil, if you need the public system, probably you will die even before the doctor sees you, okay? <laughs> that's basically, that's life in Brazil. Life is hard. That's why we have gangs. People have to survive. So in Brazil, for the same price, without insurance, I go to the best hospital. Oh, the x-ray costs around 120 reais. That would be... nothing. Nothing, yeah. Uh, no, I will, it's not like it's nothing, but I would say even if it's a little bit more expensive, I would say it's $30. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing by American standards. <laughs> even if you have the copay here in the US, yeah. it's going to be, it's gonna be more. Ex more expensive than yes. what I have in Brazil <laughs> without yes. anything. So I'm like, that's something really wrong. The pricing is really wrong here. And you start understanding part of the things of how society works. But I will give another example of the healthcare system. In Brazil, it can sound crazy, but medication that we have, the, the system the medication go through to go into the public is much stricter than here in the U.S., so there are many medications that you're allowed to buy here in the pharmacy as a normal product. You don't need any authorization that you need a doctor recommended to you in Brazil. Okay. And I think part of it is that if the government doesn't do that, people will just die out of pain because the healthcare system is so expensive. There are some people that if it was in my situation, they broke their fingers. They're like, I have to deal with it because I don't have freaking $600 to spend on, yeah, exactly. <laughs> on a doctor and an x-ray, you know? So just grab the aspirin and just take it like a boss, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. I will survive. It's just a broken finger. That's like, I always say Americans don't realize that they've been scammed. Like we've been scammed. It's not even, it's like healthcare is maybe the best example, but then you look at uh, like um, internet service, cell phone service, all that. We are so much more expensive than the rest of the world. Like if you go travel to, I was just in Spain for work in January and I think like 10 gigabytes of data was like $10 or something crazy like that. Here, 10 gigabytes of data is like over a hundred bucks it's crazy expensive but we've just been like so commercialized like america is the, the consumers have just been like taken advantage of for sure i think in some sense you're correct but there are some parts that let's say in brazil oh let's get for example internet mm -hmm. internet is really expensive and the technology is different so i think for each region it costs more let's say to spend a grid of fiber optic to everywhere you know every single house so it takes longer to reach and to get there here in the us you always get the less and the best internet that you can get but some things are overpriced i would say medicine is not like a technology you know it's not something you need infrastructure. Sometimes, yes, you need, but for yeah. aspirin, aspirin is something that's worldwide. So they see how much money the individual in the U.S. can make, and they just put the pricing accordingly. I know some medication can get cheaper because you can get cheaper in Brazil, but they make it cheaper because if they don't make it cheaper, the medicine won't even be there. Won't sell. They, yeah, so they try to get as close as to the margin of course, they're going to 
try to make as most as profit as they can, but they have to insert to that market. So they always try to see how much are people are capable of paying. And in a good way, US is one of the best countries to try to explore, let's say on the margins, because they actually have the capability to pay for the products. Yes. I mean, it's a good consumer base to go after because everyone here spends all their money. Yeah, exactly. But I would say uh, the US is not the only one. Uh, I think in in the sense of the behavior of consumer, mm -hmm. Brazil takes a lot from the US, you know? You think very similar? Kind of like, I don't know about here, but Brazil is one of the countries they the government has the really hard time to teach people to save money. I wonder if that's a Western country thing, because you always hear about Asian countries saving money. I don't know how you consider Germany. Germany is one of the people that saves a lot of money, too. Yeah. Germany is in the middle, let's say. <laughs> they're Western. You consider them Western, but they're their own type of... They're some freaks over there, man. <laughs> they're their own thing. And I think for people in Brazil, everybody knows that even like many of the, the holidays you have in the US, we adopted because we love, let's say, Black Friday is one of the biggest things in Brazil. Really? Yeah. And in retail, I think most of the companies try to go after Brazil, even though going to other countries in Latin America is much easier. They always speak the same language, let's say yeah. Spanish, right? But yeah. we speak Portuguese in Brazil. So why so many companies, they make their hub in Latin America in, in, in Brazil? Consumer base. Yeah, exactly. Because if you think about it's much more troublesome having a hub that speaks one language while all the other countries of that same continent speaks another. Yeah, it's true. So let's say it would make much more sense if Argentina had enough like economic power to make a hub there instead of Brazil, because all your employees speak Spanish, so they can communicate through the whole continent. But many companies decide to stay in Brazil because I think Brazil is a bigger market than the whole Latin America, let's say, together. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys are definitely the biggest economic power in, in Latin America, don't you think? I would say Mexico is pretty big too. Mexico is not that far behind, but I think Mexico, sometimes they relate more to North America than South America, even though they speak Spanish. Yeah, I could see that. That makes sense. Yeah, it's, I think more of the legal side of things. Most of the things and decisions a company takes is more on the legal side than any other factor except for economic. So when you see, I think it's called NAFTA, correct? Uh, the economic group. There yeah. is Mexico, United States, and Canada. So in these terms, this makes one region for the companies. So they see as one region because the distribution, let's say if you produce something in Brazil and something in the U.S., it's much easier to reach Mexico from the U.S. than Brazil. Yeah. So I think that's how they think and they try to isolate. Of course, if there was Mexico and Brazil in Latin America, I think sometimes it's more advantage to go to Mexico because they speak Spanish and that's one less barrier to communicate with other countries. So when, when you're looking at stuff at l'oreal was mexico kind of seen as north american did they view mexico as north american no they didn't see as north america but i think that's a reasoning at least inside l'oreal because 
we were dealing with travel retail. So we were not making trading inside the country, but in an international ground. Gotcha. Okay. I know what you mean. That makes that makes sense. So I think the region goes more by the continent as a geography than a legal site. Yeah, that makes sense. And they're Spanish speakers, so they just kind of group them all together. Exactly, exactly. So it's the group of Latin Americans. And you know, the products they deal with is much more of a cultural thing. You know, they separate how North Americans behave, how South Americans behave, because each one, they have their preference on products because there's an image they want to portray for each one of these groups, right? And one group for Asians. So there are some brands that sell better to Asians, some to North Americans, and some to Brazilians. Yeah, and they segment it that way. Exactly. I think it's more cultural than the legal we were discussing of how this getting to a country. Man, that's one place. I got to check out Brazil one of these days. Latin America is like fascinating to me. And that's, I think it's curious. I think you must have the same feeling when someone internationally comes to the US and tells you like, hey, I think US is fascinating. <laughs> oh, I, and I always love to hear what it is they think about the US. Like, I, I, It's always great to, to see yourself from someone else's perspective, you know? Exactly. So what is so fascinating about Latin American for you then? I think it's like one of these, on a global stage, it's like kind of an unexplored continent, I'll say. It's not like, you know, you're not reading all these travel blogs about Latin America. It's still kind of, it's definitely not like Africa, where Africa is undeveloped and, you know, Mm -hmm. its own thing. So like... It's not, it's still undiscovered in my mind a little bit. Although I know that's not completely true, but to me, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. Maybe better put, it's like growing up down here in South Florida, growing up around Latin American culture for most of my life. I know a little bit about it, but I've never like really experienced it. So I've gotten like glimpses into it, but I've never got to go and, and see and explore. So I guess that's really where the mystique comes for me. Yeah, um, I, I, I know what you mean, right? I think this applies to anyone, to their own countries or where they live for most of the part of their lives, right? So imagine, like, I don't know, uh, like, let's say in Korea, they're like, oh, bro, you know, I find your culture so fascinating. And probably the Korean would answer us like, yeah, what do you think is fascinating? Fucking grannies, you know, like, what yeah. the <laughs> Well, for the people that enjoy grannies, Korea is always a nice place to go. It's a great place to be. (laughs) But yeah, man, I think maybe on your point of view is a little bit more sense of adventure, right? Because let's say if you go to Europe that you already went, right? Yeah. And Asia, I think these places would be much more, let's say, tamed compared to left in America, right? Yeah, like Latin America is still kind of wild. If you go to, I don't know, you go to Europe, it's like Europe is refined, let's say. You go to Asia, at least Japan, Korea, you know, you're definitely going to find your wild parts of Asia for sure. But, you know, it's it's definitely more built up. China, you go to China, I mean, it's it's insane over there. But Latin America is still like, you have the Amazon, right? You have the rainforest. It's still like, there's a ruggedness to it, in my mind, at least. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's right here. Like, 
that's the other thing. Being in Florida, it's so close. It's a three-hour flight to Columbia. You know what exactly. I mean? It, it takes, takes as long to fly to Columbia as it does to fly to New York. You know? Yeah. In the same amount of time, I can be in a different country and experience something completely different. Cuba's 90 miles away. You know? It's like mm-hmm. you could be in a whole different world and be like just completely out of your element in less than two hours. A shorter trip than going to QS and you would be in touch with a totally different culture that you're used to, right? Yeah. Like when I went to Cuba, dude, that was one of the places that kind of blew my mind. I've never seen anything like it. It was like kind of baffling to experience. It wasn't it wasn't what I was told from all the propaganda you hear in Miami from all the Cubans. It was kind of hard to wrap my head around because it, you can tell, dude, Cuba used to be so rich. You can tell they used to have so much money. Havana's beautiful, but it's like beautiful in a decrepit way. And mm-hmm. all the people are extremely friendly and nice. Granted, they know you're a tourist and they want your money and they're, <laughs> they're asking you for your money. But just watching them observing, you can tell that like, you know, for the most part, they're they're pretty happy people. I saw more smiles on the faces of people in Havana than I saw in Miami. And I think that's what kind of like tripped me up a little bit because I was like, all right, these people definitely have less money than me. They'll beg to you and they'll tell you they want to leave, some of them. But then if you like look at how they live their life, they're much more family oriented. They're much more like community based and they look happier from the outside point of view than I see like people walking around in Miami. So I don't know. I wouldn't want to live there, but it wasn't like, this is a terrible place, you know, that the, the propaganda that they feed you in Miami. So it's kind of kind of changed my mind a lot. Generally in Latin Americans, or at least in my mind, I always had this feeling of you see these really pissed off Americans, right? On TV and mm-hmm. you see on the news, you know, always like I I think in Brazil if you ask Oh, what do you imagine that an American does a lot is like sue someone else, you know? <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it's like, bro, you can be walking on the street and someone accidentally, how can I say, stumbles on you and you, you drop your Big Mac, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I'm going to sue you because of that, you know? That's the image like many Brazilians have. Like, why you're suing is it was just a mistake. And I don't know if this is part of how you grew up and the perspective that you have, you know, because in Brazil, your parents will always say, like, be grateful. You see these people on the street and how fucked up they are and how they don't have food. You have to be super grateful that you have something yeah. on your table today. And yeah. people start living as and seeing the small good things in your life. And joy. And uh, when you see all these bad things around you, like violence and poverty, you start trying to enjoy yourself. You're like, bro, I'm not that bad, you know? <laughs> I think you I think you nailed it. Yeah, I have a shit job, yeah. But, you know, I can drink my beer in the end of the day. I can meet my friends. And I think that's the important life, part of life, you know? It's not about other stuff. It's not about getting pissed off. Because... Uh, at least in my point of view, when you see, I think, problems in the developed society, let's say mm-hmm. what they call the developed countries. That's another thing that Latin Americans or Brazilians talk a lot is like, 
bro, you see this crazy stuff of people shooting inside the school? You see this kind of fucking depression? We have this, but we don't go crazy. We don't go rogue. Like, I don't know what caused this in society that, let's say, one day a kid decides he's being so bullied that he wants to shoot the whole school, you know? Yeah. In Brazil, we get bullied, yes, but there, I think we have a different perspective of life of what is real suffering, you know? Yeah, I think, I think you, you, you kind of nailed it, at least in my opinion. Americans are just have gotten, I don't know if they were always this way, but at least what I have seen, they're just so, I don't know if they're into themselves or they're just so focused at pushing forward and working and trying to be the best and, you know, trying to win. Like Donald Trump is kind of a, <laughs> he, he's kind of like a, a caricature of, of Americans, right? Like that's not how all Americans are for sure. Yeah. Like he's like the most inflated version of our worst parts in a way. Probably. And they just, probably. And they just like, there is like no chill. I mean, you've worked in American corporations. You've kind of yeah. seen how it is. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous, right? I mean, it's so crazy the amount of work that they expect out of you. And then the system is just set up to extract every dollar from you, like the healthcare system. So it kind of like forces you to work more, you know? Whereas yes. from talking with you and having other Latin American friends and European friends too, like it's a much more like, oh no, we're here to enjoy ourselves, right? Like we're, we're on earth to enjoy ourselves like yeah we can work hard and accomplish things but you know it's life you gotta ha you gotta have a good time yeah man i, I don't know i think is some parts of me think is one thing when it, it comes to this because let's say different societies different different countries have different problems so if yeah. you see korea japan and i think the u.s they have problems with suicide rates or depression rates or uh, psychopaths you know but I think it's impressive how in Brazil, like, we don't have this. I don't know if because there's not enough time in, in TV to show every craziness that happens or is yeah. a different perspective of, you know, we still have this old type mentality of like, we don't have time to keep crying about bullying or we don't have yeah. time to cry about depression. Like your parent probably will say, I think you're having depression because you're not working enough. I think you need to work more. But it's it's just crazy, man. And when you talk about this, uh, now I remember another thing that I find impressive here in the U.S. is that how police, they handle things differently. How so? I think... You mean we just shoot people and... <laughs> no, it's, that's the thing. In Brazil, we have the same stereotypes of uh, corruption in police, you know? Yeah and violence in police, but I think police here doesn't have the experience Brazilian police have, you know? In terms of training or in terms of, like... In experience. Like the crazy situation. Exactly, crazy to deal situation. With. So uh. there's a lot of police killing. Like, they kill a lot of people, but it's not because the guy was not with the hands on the steering wheel, you know? Yeah. I I don't know when I see videos of police officers if in Brazil and I continue to have the same feeling they're really afraid you know yeah I think even those that went to the war you know I think when you're in a country that 
the violence is so high, you're almost in a constant war zone in your own country. Mm-hmm. Police officers in Brazil, they're really chill. They don't, when they stop your car, they won't go like already the hand on the gun. They know how to read the situation. They know when a person yeah. is dangerous because they have to deal with people that are actually dangerous every single day. It's not like one day exception. Oh, today we didn't have someone murder another one. No, it's every single day. Every single day shootings. So when I see the police officer, sometimes I think because of this modern society, they don't have a lot of situation they get into. So when it actually happens here, I feel I seen their phrase, they're afraid, you know, about it. In Brazil, it's more that not they don't get afraid, but they get desensibilized. They sit so many times, you know, that they're just like, yeah, just another day, you know. I won't kill someone because I stopped their car or because they were going too fast, you know. It's fine. <laughs> Thank God I'm see. just stopping a car today. Thank God it's just because a guy is just having a little bit of marijuana in their cars, you know. I can see that. So I don't know if is out of experience but they're aggressive of course as but i think they can read a little bit better the situation on like each of the things that's happening yeah i I mean that makes sense i haven't not experienced brazilian police but it still it still makes sense just knowing what i know about american cops on your point of view too that's what i wanted to ask you know i have sometimes I don't know where I heard this or if was I think it was even in Brazil. People get so paranoid in the US and sometimes it makes sense because let's say you're considered the top of the world, right? So you have mm-hmm. many enemies, many countries there are enemies, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes even the police doesn't see the same action they see in Brazil. They are in constant fear of uh, another terrorist attack even though I think you guys didn't have a really big terrorist attack in a long time. I don't know. Sometimes I want, sometimes I think about this country, like definitely not everything, but I think like one of the problems we have is like we have it too good. Have you ever heard of that phrase like affluenza? Affluenza. No, yeah, please, it's like it's like a pun on like influenza. Okay. But like you're so affluent that you have this disease of like uh not corruption, but you've just become like so lazy and you, you take so many things for granted that you you start to atrophy because you're so used to having everything done for you, you know? I feel like we're complacent. I feel like we don't you say we have all these enemies, but at least most Americans I don't think think that at all. Like most Americans think <laughs> that there's like one country in this earth and it's America. It's gotten yeah. better. Uh, I feel like in the past maybe 10 plus years, but like they're very egocentric here. So I don't know. I don't know if they really worry about, I don't worry about terrorism here. Let's be real. I think people shouldn't be worried because these are exceptional, extremely exceptional situations, right? These like six sigma if you want to say something technical (laughs) dude i like i like you throwing in all this lingo that's that's what we need to do more dude more like lingo but it's an extreme situation but i think part of the problem is sometimes media is just overloading people with fears that you shouldn't have (laughs) 
bro, it's so crazy. I'm going to say something very controversial right now. <laughs> but like this coronavirus thing, in my mm -hmm. opinion at least, is very much fear-driven. The CDC just came out with this report over the weekend, or I don't know exactly when it came out, but they said that 94% of the deaths, corona deaths in the U.S. Uh, were with people who had um, comorbidities or like pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. So like you can take from that. That means that if you're healthy and in good shape, the likelihood of you dying from it is pretty low, right? Yeah. That Right? Like I would say that's kind of the, the general takeaway you can take from that statistic. Not mm -hmm. saying like what policies you should take, not saying anything else, but I think you can have a good argument that that's what that statistic says. But man, the pe people just cannot process things very rationally. And all they can do is process based on what the news or their political side has told them. And they're just yes. so, they're so inundated with all this ideology that they don't think like very rationally about facts and statistics around them. So I think you're right. Like we're just way too inundated with media, even YouTube, dude. I don't know about you. And this is more than an American problem, but I go on YouTube and like, I see one news thing that I click on and then the next day it's another one and it's another one. And then before I know, like my whole feed is just like crazy. <laughs> like US economy is going to crash, buy gold, Donald Trump's evil, Joe Biden's crazy. And before you know, Bernie Sanders is appearing in every single web asking for help, <laughs> asking for a donation. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, dude, like the anxiety, I have to go take walks. I'm like, okay, I can't even look at this anymore because it's, it's dude, it corrupts how you think. And then you start talking to people and you start saying like what you think. And then you kind of start to realize that this bubble thinking that I have right now, because I've just like enclose myself in all this media it's almost like a matrix moment right yes that's exactly what it's like you were living in a bubble that you always seem correct because everything that is being fed to you says that you're correct but yes that's not actually what's happening you're like damn look at all this new thing that i'm correct all the people there's not me it's kind of stupid right <laughs> exactly and like, listen, I had, I, I'm sure I have the things that like those things for my own thinking. Definitely. I try hard not to, but I'm sure I do. But man, when I, when I talk to people, I can basically, I can be like, okay, you're this type of person. You're this type of person. You're this type of person. I know exactly what you're going to tell me before I even like ask the question, because I know you, this is the bubble that you live in, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, I think. That's why I, I lose hope in this country. <laughs> I don't see I don't see it changing anytime soon. But I think it's not only here. It's a global yeah. thing, you know? It's yeah. just like, oh, man, uh, you can see how crazy the world's getting. Let's go back to your example of coronavirus. Sure. I agree that, like, policies and we have to take care of this, you know? Sure. In yeah. some way. But... Just to see, you can really clear see the effect of the media in blowing the shit up when people were freaking out when this started. But now yes. we're in a worse situation than when we started and people don't give a fuck. People here in Miami are just walking out in the street without masks and they're like, whatever. <laughs> I, yeah, I think you just get to a point, like I know I do, where you're just burnt out. Like, I'm just like, ah, I can't listen to this anymore. Like, I'm done. 
you know, and then people do whatever they, then people are going to do whatever they want to do, you know, and you have no, you have no like common cohesive force that, you know, helps us solve this together. Instead, everyone's like, eh, fuck it. We're just going to do what we want to do anyways. Yeah, but this is the despair that the media can create, right? Yes, <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. Propaganda is like the most fascinating thing. Like I got hooked on this Chinese YouTube news channel that is just like pure anti-China propaganda. Like I started, <laughs> I started watching it and dude, it's freaking great. It's amazing, dude. It's so, <laughs> it's so interesting. And I was like, all right, all this stuff doesn't make that much sense. So I'm going to have to Google this later. And it's like a media organization run by, uh, what's that religion that they don't like? Not the Uyghurs, the Gong, Falun Gong or something like that. Do you know who that is? Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Well, it's like this religion that they basically kicked out of China. So they basically came to the U.S., set up shop in the U.S., and then started this like media propaganda anti-China like news agency. And dude, it is like fantastic. And I, I bet like 50% true, 50% like not true. But it's just so interesting because you get to see their propaganda, but they also do a really good job of showing you like how the Chinese government does their propaganda, which is like a whole nother fascination. American propaganda is like maybe more... I don't know if subtle's the right word, but it's a little bit more opt-in, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Like Chinese propaganda is like just shoved down your throat. For for it's sure, bro. For sure, bro. I I'll just give an example of how Chinese propaganda works. Uh or at least in my period and the experience of my uncle that went there only once. He went mm-hmm. only once to China for a business trip. And when he came back, the only thing he said, Rodrigo, I don't know a lot about the world, but I'm sure if one day China rules the world, I know the first country that's going to disappear from the map is Japan, bro. Really? <laughs> I'm like, what? He said, man, when you're in China, 24 hours in the TV is Japanese people fucking up Chinese life or really? Chinese people killing japanese people these are all war movies and i was gonna say old war stuff (laughs) when i was in china what i watched the tv was basically movies related to war (laughs) dude they're very i didn't realize that they're very like what's the word like they they have a lot of grudges man yeah bro if i was japanese i would be a little bit worried about that I think they are, man. I, I think they are. Did you see they signed that new alliance, like the the Japan, America, India, Australia alliance? Really? I, I didn't yeah. hear about that. I don't know exactly what it entails, but there's definitely big movements when it comes to China against all this Chinese aggression that we've seen lately. Like India just banned a bunch of apps today, like a hundred Chinese apps. Oh, that's why they're trying to make like uh like sanctions or something? Yeah, sanctions. Yeah, I I didn't knew why. I thought they were just like piss off, like uh, about TikTok as everyone is. So yeah, well, yeah, they did that first, and then apparently they added like another hundred plus apps. I'll <laughs> I'll be honest, man. I'm really not updated about the news around the world because at least the one thing I've learned in my 
Master of Finance was don't believe in the news, bro. <laughs> yeah, you can't. It will just bias your vision about the world. So just go after the knowledge, you know, just seek into the real knowledge and that's it. That's how you construct an unbiased mindset, you know? <laughs> yeah, you can't because there, there's so much tomfoolery. There's so much bullshit out there that you can't believe any of it. Exactly. And you know that I, I base a lot of my understanding in what are the variables that influence someone to do something, right? What does that group or that person has to profit out of a situation? And Sure. I think one of what we were talking about is the media explores a lot that and it's not like they're badly intended, but they need clicks on their news, right? So they have to grab something and try to make explore as much as they can. And if there are, people are afraid of something, they would just put in every single headline they can and try to grab as much as attention and try to milk that as much as they can, right? Absolutely. So Corona is being their point of view now. They know if they have a graph on their website showing how many deaths and how many people were infected, that's the metric every single one has to have, right? And it's sad, but they're exploring. And that's one of the things that I don't know. I think it's really sad that sometimes a murder of a person is the way that reporters try to get their monies out of it. It's crazy. News, right? Of like a school shooting. There's no even respect to the, the, the family involved to that. No. They're just like, hey, can you give me an interview? Please, please. <laughs> like, fuck your emotions. I don't give a fuck. I need my interview. <laughs> I read this one time and this, this kind of like, I guess, validates your point. Like the head of CBS, he was given a speech to, I forget what group it was. And apparently during the speech, he said, this was like when Donald Trump, right after he got elected, he said, Donald Trump isn't good for America, but he's good for CBS. <laughs> exactly. You're like, that's dark, dude. <laughs> but, but, but let's be honest. I think Everyone has this clear that every single news have their the party they follow, right? But you know what? People don't actually like me and you, we know that. I feel like our generation feels that way. But when I talk with my parents or I talk with older generations, they don't think that. They don't actually believe that. On what? That's what I find baffling. Like they don't see that CNN is like liberally biased and is basically you know, shilling for the Democratic Party. Oh, man, I'll be honest. I think it's not even our parents' generation. Our generation is the same shit, man. You think? Why do you think we have a thousand feeds of a stupid topic? Let's say, oh, you go to a YouTube and you're watching cat videos, okay? Yeah. Fucking cat videos are videos of grannies being prostitutes in Korea, okay? All right, that's more likely. You go... <laughs> You go to the comment section. There's always a fucking political discussion there. Out of I the, get, I, I, you're right. You're right. You're right. Like I guess our parents are more like their media is old media, so they yeah. don't buy into it. And our media is like social media, so we don't see where it's biased. But yes, but as said, people, it's not only you, the example, but everyone, everyone's living in their own bubble. Yeah. What. Facebook, you know why Facebook starts showing news that validates your point, right? Yes, because it keeps you hooked in. Not only that, but they said when they showed everything, 
without like the partisanship, let's say, of the Republicans and Democrats, they would find so many conflicts and people fighting in a way that they would just trap people live because all they don't believe in their party. Uh -huh. So their first, when they changed the first time the algorithm so they could understand the political views of an individual and just feed news that validates them, Uh -huh. At first, I think it was genius because they wouldn't have more problems of fighting and people blackmailing each other <laughs> on, because of fucking comment on the news section, okay? Uh -huh. But the problem is, I think they even created a bigger monster. They didn't see the consequences after because now yep. the world is getting more extremist. Yep. They fight much more and I think it's becoming almost bipolar. Uh, not bipolar, but it's just every single time two parties. Or you're freaking extreme right or freaking extreme left, okay? You're the crazy communist or freaking Hitler alive killing everyone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's no in-between. On the sections, at least in Brazil, yeah. if you say you're not communist, they automatically say you're a fucking dictator that wants to kill everybody, you know? Yeah. You're a fucking no, Get out of there's here. There's like no nuance anymore in any of these discussions. Like, and half the issues that they're arguing about are like, there's no possible way that you can actually get to the bottom of it. Like, there's there's so many variables. Like, I don't know if you saw this one over the weekend. That 17 year old kid that shot those people. No, I didn't saw it, dude. He okay. This is such an American thing. It's wild, <laughs> wild, bro. He went down to where they're having these riots with okay. a with an assault rifle walking the streets he was like in the beginning of the day he was like doing good stuff i guess i don't know again like uh, i'm trying to the point i'm trying to make is exactly the problem i'm having right now it's like okay. I, how can i know all these facts i can't nobody can right but like everybody wants to argue this side like oh no he's just you know doing his american right to protect the business you know that's legally what he's allowed to do and they attacked him first and then the other side's like no, but why is he even down there with a gun and he started it and, or, you know, and everyone's getting all angry and upset about it. But yet nobody has the fa enough of the facts to actually like make a real judgment about it. You know, that's the thing. I think another point you see how in the end, all these fucking discussions that people has anonymously on the Internet, they write a fucking text. They took two hours to write mm -hmm. an argument with a person they don't know about. They don't mm. know the facts, but they're so egocentric. They just want to be right. They write fucking two-hour comments <laughs> just to Correct. be fucking right. It's not about what about the people that die? What about what is the motivation? There's no. Everyone wants to use this drama to prove their fucking points. And this is fucking stupid. This is the first of it. Man, <laughs> that's. I think this is so... So freaking crazy, right? And it's just such a waste of potential. It's like you could have used all that energy to do something. Like you could have worked out. You could have done something to better your life. You know what I mean? You could have read a book. Exactly. And if, they, if these people are so the noble selves, right? Oh, I'm not yeah. going to prove my point. I really want the best of the country, right? Let's yes. say, for example, I want the best of the people. Okay, Did these people that argues all the time on the internet, they ever thought about they could be the cause that this guy with a no. gun appears and shoot? They never think about. 
but mm-hmm. probably he's a byproduct of this hate comment and this like mm-hmm. oh this party is stupid no you your party is stupid and it becomes extremist and kids that doesn't have or even grown-ups that doesn't have the common sense they buy into one of the sides and just appear with a freaking gun you know and yeah. all because one guy in the comment section was discussing and was fighting each other first of all none of them are political scientists they don't know shit of what's happening they just want to be right as i was telling you and this pride is building to construct these psychopaths and all this stuff. That's, I think, I don't know if you saw that documentary on Netflix about, what's the name? It was Don't Fuck With Cats. Oh, yeah. I think it's dark. Yeah, exactly. But did you saw the end point of it? Yes. What the woman said that I had to leave because after reflecting all of this, you know, Mm -hmm. probably the person that gave the attention, that gave the hate, gave feedback for this psychopath, maybe created this psychopath. Yeah, I think, like, you bring up a good point. I think we always have to ask ourselves, even when we're, like, the victim in the situation, what is my part? What did I do to have this situation come to existence, right? We always play our role in any situation, right? Like, there's an old saying, it's, it's like, it takes two to tango, right? Yeah. There's always, there's always, maybe it's not your fault, but I don't know. I don't think we can always walk around thinking that we're always the victim and, you know, we're the righteous one in the situation. We need to look at ourselves more and see where have I added to this situation? Exactly. Maybe I didn't start it, but maybe I like fanned the flames of the fire and made them bigger. Yes. And sometimes, man, maybe it's just, let's say you want actually to help and you think your point is correct. Why don't you stop saying, hey, you're fucking stupid. How can you actually convince someone calling them stupid? Let's say yeah. <laughs> if you're a salesperson and you're trying to sell a fucking TV, you don't say, hey, moron, come here. I have to sell you something. Just try to prove your point with fucking facts, you know, or your fucking theory. Don't just go, hey, you're fucking stupid because you don't believe in the same thing. Just prove. If you think the other person is stupid, Try to prove them and try to make them intelligent. Yes. But also to add on to that, understand why, how they came to their opinion. By like trying to prove to someone that they're wrong, most people are just going to shut down. But if you can understand and listen to what they're going to say and try to like, it's hard to do, but try to listen, then you can like, you know, they'll feel like you're respecting them. And then when you say, you point out like a logical, you know, flaw in how they think, they're much more receptive because they're like, oh, he's not attacking me. He's just, he he's listening to me, but maybe he's right. You know, like maybe he sees this something that I missed out on. I, I totally agree with you. It's, it all ends up in, I think, in empathy. I know it's hard. Yes. I think most of the people think they know what is empathy, but they, no. I, I don't think they know they don't it's a good buzzword yeah just sit with your friend or just sit with that people that argues try to understand their situation and try to understand their motivations and why did they get there maybe you will learn one thing or another you know it's true freaking hell man that's 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 crazy man (laughs)
it's like if only we sat down with Hitler and listened to him, you know, bro. What he, what we would have, we would have known he had a small dick, and all he needed was some Korean grandma prostitute. Exactly, bro. Dude, that would save us a lot of people, man. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he was just frustrated, like a small dick. He didn't. He was not accepted in the the art school, and that was it. Yeah, that was it, man. Yeah, what we learn here is just, oh man, Korean grandmas can save lives. <laughs> <laughs>